This is Dream Power Radio, the place where your dreams turn into reality. Here is your host, Debbie Specter Weissman. Hello, 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 and welcome to Dream Power Radio. This is the place where we talk about dreams, both daytime and nighttime dreams, and how you can use them to make the internal shift to a life you love and rediscover the truth of who you really are. Hey, do you remember the line from the theme show from Friends, the one that goes, when it hasn't been your day, your month, or even your year? I think we've all had times like that, when it seems like relationships turned sour, business went south, or we just felt like we were stuck in a never-ending loop of toxicity. At times like that, it's easy to blame the other person, like the one who stood you up, or the one who reneged on paying back a loan, or the one who always unloads her problems on you but somehow doesn't have the time or the interest to reciprocate. What if I were to tell you that you might be laying the blame on the wrong person? What if the real reason for your despair is that you were the one attracting toxic relationships? Sound far-fetched? Well, maybe not. My guest, TJ Woodward, believes that the negative thoughts we hold about ourselves lead us into connections that disempower us and keep us from living our dream lives. And they will continue to do so until we confront the real reasons we attract toxic behavior. TJ is an acclaimed inspirational speaker, addiction recovery expert, and best-selling author, whose books include Conscious Being, Conscious Creation, and Conscious Recovery. Welcome to Dream Power Radio. Thank you so much, Debbie. I'm delighted to be here and looking forward to our conversation. Well, TJ, so are you saying that everything goes wrong in our lives is really our fault? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I would rather say it's us to be accountable for how we have created our lives. You know, when I was first doing my, we'll call it work or my evolution or my growth, I went from blaming others to blaming myself. And that blame kept me stuck for many years again. So what I'm hoping to have a conversation about is how we shift out of blame altogether and look at how we can shift into consciously creating the life of our dreams, which is the subtitle of my book, Conscious Creation. So there's no accident that we're talking about that today. Oh, absolutely not. And I do want to get into that whole subject of blaming ourselves because I am example number one, (laughs) maybe not example number one, but for this purpose, I am because I went through a period where I blame myself for everything that wasn't going right, particularly in my business at the time. And I could make a laundry list. This thing went wrong. This thing went wrong. This thing went wrong. And I would blame myself, even though logically, I knew it wasn't true. (laughs) But is this the default position that we have? And if so, why is that? Well, I think for many people it is, and it's because of what you talked about in the introduction, the core beliefs, or what I call core false beliefs. I add the false because I want to acknowledge these are lies that we're carrying around about ourselves. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. So if you look at business, it's such a great example. If you're walking around with I'm not worthy, no amount of work is going to actually shift that in terms of working on your business, right? One thing will go wrong or that we consider wrong, and we'll go right into self-criticism and blame, which then keeps us stuck. So it's interesting, right? Because it's a nuanced conversation. As we shift from blame to accountability, then infinite possibilities open up. 
Okay, well, how do we make that shift? It sounds very simple. So they could make the shift, do it, but it's not not quite simple. Well, I'll start with it's not just about our mind. And I think that's where a lot of us find, I will say for myself, I was in that trap. I shouldn't think that. I shouldn't feel that way. I shouldn't be doing this. And I was the shouldn't. The should. Yeah, the should and shouldn't. Yeah. So we know shoulding, shouldn't all of ourselves, right? So we want to change that to it's actually an awareness. So a wise person once said there are three steps, awareness, awareness, and awareness. Aware that we're creating our lives based on our perspective aware that it's not just a thought, it's actually an energy or a frequency. So if I'm vibrating with I'm not worthy, that will show up. I will unconsciously make choices to confirm the core false belief. So unplug from the thought and into the deeper healing, which we can talk about. How do we actually heal the core false beliefs? Because it's not about what's happening. It really is about how I'm perceiving it. It is. And I tell you, you know, that I totally 100% agree with you about the self-awareness. And that's by doing my practice of dream work. It's all about self-awareness, doing, getting that self-awareness through our dreams. But you have a different method. So tell me about that. Well, it's interesting. You know, we talk about dreams. I remember waking up one day because I had been spending many years looking at dream analysis. And in the beginning, I was reading books. Oh, on the water means a spiritual journey, or if you're in a boat, or if you're on a plane. And then it occurred to me, it really isn't what someone else thinks the dream means. It really is what it means to me. And I woke up one day and thought, oh my gosh, that same principle applies to what we call reality, which most likely we're dreaming on some level now, right? Because we're creating the dream. It isn't about what's happening. It's about my perspective of what's happening. The deeper healing work is actually going back and looking at where these core false beliefs originated. For most of us, it's a series of events or an event early, early in life where we made these core false decisions about ourselves. So it's not something we can shift only in talking ourselves out of it. We have to start caring for the original wound and where it where it got planted very deeply in our subconscious. Yeah, and the thing about it is, is that it's not always this, this horrible traumatic event that happened. It could have been a sort of toss away remark that our mother may have made to us that she po- definitely did not do in malice, but our minds made it into something much more deeper and created that wound. And so so how do you take people back to that core event and and heal it? Well, we start to ask ourselves first, what are these core false beliefs? Can I get in touch with that? And one of the ways we get in touch with it is we look at the repetition of our life, right? How many times have you and I heard and or maybe said, I thought this time it was going to be different. And yet it's the same story. I'm having the same issues with money. I'm having the same issues with work. I'm having the same issues with relationships. So we want to start start there and say, what is the core false belief that might be creating this repetition and then start asking ourselves to explore where did this originate? See if we can go back and find an event or events. And like you said, it doesn't have to be some big trauma. Like in my life, I I, I tell this story all the time. It seems so insignificant, but for me, it was life-changing. Kindergarten, couldn't tie my shoes. I decided I was stupid. 
I walked home from school, literally repeating to myself, I am so stupid. And think about a five-year-old brain. I mean, that was getting concretized in my unconscious and I was creating that neuropathway and that groove. And so from that moment on, that's all I could see. And so we need to get back, not to the original event. This isn't about like, what was that one moment? But look at what the core false beliefs we might be carrying that are really creating reality. Okay, so let's say you you came to this realization that you've been carrying around this belief, I'm stupid. How do you heal it? How do you get rid of it? Well, it's interesting because as a five-year-old, my little brain wasn't developed enough to understand, you know, it's not really such a big deal that I couldn't tie my shoes. It wasn't because I was stupid. It's because I needed to learn how to tie my shoes. So we start caring for the five-year-old within us. And what did my five-year-old need? My five-year-old needed someone to sit down and say, oh, it's okay. Let me help you. Let me help you learn how to tie your shoes. I'm left-handed. I know now that's why I couldn't tie my shoes. I was trying to learn the right-handed way, but my five-year-old didn't understand that. So we start to care for that place within ourselves. And I, I mean, I think to me, one of the key factors is allowing ourselves to feel. I remember feeling terrified at that moment, allowing myself, my five-year-old to feel that. And, you know, we hear this, the only way to heal is to feel. We go through those feelings and come out the other side. Most of us as little people don't get the opportunity to actually feel. We get taught we shouldn't be feeling that way. And we very much get taught that. And, and, all of those things that that happen when we were young, we're intuitive. Intuitively, we know a lot of things, but we're taught not to trust our feelings. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, we come into the world as whole and perfect beings, these precious little spirit lights that we are. And we get we end up getting programmed to believe that what reality isn't reality and what the illusion is reality, right? So we come in as highly intuitive. We come in with an innate sense of feeling our feelings. Pre-programmed humans, like two or three, they just feel whatever's there. They go through the feeling and then they go back to their natural state, which is joy. We're naturally in touch with energy. We're naturally intuitive beings. We're naturally allowed to feel. We have an innate sense to feel. You know, animals, when they have trauma, they shake it off and move on. But, you know, not humans. It is innate with us, but we get taught that it shouldn't be that way. That is so true. And what about the person who has multiple thoughts like that. It's not only just I'm stupid, but, you know, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. You know, I'm not lovable. You can make a laundry list of all the I'm not, sir. I I can't. Do Do you deal with them one at a time? Or is there a way to really wholesale heal everything? It's looking at what's present, right? And you're looking at someone and talking to someone who had multiple and continues, they continue to show up. But what happens now is I notice them coming up, but I don't, here's the key. This is very, very important. I don't try to talk myself out of the core false belief because I spent a decade doing that. Oh, I'm not stupid. Here's why I'm not stupid. So it was like I had this brutal relationship. So someone says or does something that activates this old core wound or this core false belief. And I simply am aware of it. And I allow myself to feel what's present and then move on. So most of us have multiple core false beliefs that we're carrying around. And the good news is we, if we learned them, we can actually also unlearn them. 
So when you're saying that that you become aware of it, is it so you you say to yourself, like let's say you know, I'm, you're saying I'm stupid. So you acknowledge that I'm feeling that I'm stupid, and just live with that feeling and then let it go. Or how? Tell me about that a little bit more. Yeah, it's so interesting because it feels like we're supposed to do something with it, right? And because we've been taught for so many years that we need to do something, we need to have the answer. And it sounds almost counterintuitive in our culture to say, we don't really do anything with it. We observe it. We realize there's a place within us that is unharmed and unharmable. We care for that place within ourselves that's activated or that wound that shows up. And we just take a few moments to allow ourselves to feel it. And then we go back to our natural inclination, which is to allow the feeling to go through because we don't need to achieve happiness or joy. It's there. It's who we are. All we do is unearth or look, excavate, if you will, all these core false beliefs, allow ourselves to feel, ah, I'm in my natural state, which is joy and presence. Yes, it's kind of like, you know, what they said about Michelangelo creating David, you know, David was inside the marble, he just had to uncover it. So you're just saying we just uncover what's already there. And then we see that innate joy that is within us. Right, we can call off the search. You know, I remember, if I'm honest with you, from 20 to 40, it was all about this search, search for the right path, search for the right therapist, search for the right community outward, outward search. It was like I had my umbilical cord plugging into anyone or anything that could feed me. And then at one point, I realized that search can be called off and rest in what is already truly who and what we are. And so for me, it really is a twofold process. It's having a practice to develop and cultivate a relationship with that essential self, and then pretty much unlearning every program I've ever been taught that is counter to who we really are or who we really be. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to talk more about that, but we time for a short break. We are speaking all about relationships, especially our relationship with ourselves, with T.J. Woodward, and we'll be right back. What do Thomas Jefferson, Elias Howe, and Paul McCartney have in common? They all understood the value of dreams, and as a result, The ideas, inventions, and creations from their dreams affect us to this day. What great ideas are you leaving on your pillow at night? Sign up for a complimentary consultation at my website, thedreamcoach.net, and discover why your dreams are a terrible thing to waste. Welcome back to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman. Yes, welcome back to Dream Power Radio. I'm your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman, and we're talking about healing ourselves with T.J. Woodward. Well, T.J., you know, there's a statement that many healers say, and I've said it myself, that we can't change others, but we can change ourselves. So let's say we get rid of these negative beliefs that we've held in ourselves, or at least we become aware of them and we, we acknowledge them, we deal with them. But We still have the boss who doesn't appreciate us or the spouse who doesn't respect us the way we want. If we want to keep these people in our lives, how do we create non-toxic relationships with them? Well, 
when we heal or when we're in the process of healing, right? I used to think there was a finish line. Oh, check, check, healed. I'm all better. But it's really a process. But the further along I'm in my healing process, the less those things seem to bother me. The relationships seem to take care of themselves. And so what I'm not saying is if someone who's watching or listening right now is in a severely abusive relationship, I'm not saying just change your perspective. It's okay that someone's hitting you, right? There are times that it's very important that we leave. The issue for most of us or many of us is we're considering a relationship toxic. We're considering a family member uncaring or unloving. And as we start to heal ourselves, I think two things happen, or in my experience, they do. One, people start to walk away and or it's very clear it's time for me to go. But more often than that, it's like there's these miraculous healings. I remember at one point, I thought my mother should be more gentle and nurturing and caring. And I carried that forever. Why isn't my, I mean, I was 28 year old man saying my mother should be more gentle and loving and caring. And I remember thinking, she's not even interested in my life. She never asks me anything about my life. Then I woke up and thought, oh my gosh, I never ask her about her life. So I decided that I would start becoming genuinely interested and she just opened up and she shared everything. And lo and behold, she started asking me about my life. And I thought, wow, isn't that simple? Everything I want her to be, I can become or exhibit and simply see what happens. Life is a great experiment. And that relationship was healed. I used to think my relationship with my mother was toxic. And if if I'm even more honest, I used to label her as toxic. And as I realized that the healing really starts within, that relationship is so different. That relationship in, in so many ways is so healed. That's funny. I have to laugh because I kind of have that had that from the opposite perspective. My son would not share things with me and or he, he wouldn't no, he would share things with me all the time, but he didn't wasn't interested in what I was doing. And he went through his own healing process. And then after that. He did start asking me about my life and, and showed concern about it where he hadn't before. So I, I do see how that works in practice where you do that healing in yourself and it changes relationships. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's so common in our culture to say, why do I keep attracting unavailable people? And I remember at one point I was listening to Marianne Williamson talk about relationships. And she said, the important question is, why am I attracted to them? But then I kind of took it a step further. Or I take it a step further and saying, what do I want them to be available for? Am I wanting someone else to do my healing work? Most of us aren't conscious of that. Most of us don't go into a relationship saying, wow, this person's going to fix or heal me. But there's an unconscious desire for finding the perfect partner, the perfect job, the perfect whatever it is, and then I'll be happy. And what we really want to look at is the question, what am I wanting them to be available for? As I start to have inner resources, joy, happiness, fulfillment, I start to radiate those outward rather than thinking about what I'm attracting. I thought start looking at what I'm offering and then suddenly relationships become about exchange rather than please give me something that I think I need in order to be happy or free. That's hmm. very well put. I mean, it's, it is amazing what happens when you get that self-awareness and it's, it's awareness, not just in you said in, in realizing these unconscious beliefs we had, but just it 
awareness in all aspects of our life. Yeah. Well, and there's so much power in that, right? I remember hearing a speaker say, if you are creating, let's say, lack in your life, you keep showing up and you see lack, you see lack, you see lack, and you have an awareness that you're creating that on some level, and I think it's on all levels, based on your core false belief, you can realize how powerful you are. You're a powerful creator. You keep saying, I don't deserve, and you keep finding relationships where it's true. So if we can create that, we have the power to create something that we truly desire. And then it becomes this fun experiment. And sometimes it's painful. And often it's very joyful and very exciting. And how do you, if you're in this healing process, how do you keep it up? Because obviously there are times when, when real life events will happen and unconsciously you you just automatically go back to that default position of i'm not x whatever x is so how do you stop yourself or how do you continue that so that you get to that point where it doesn't bother you anymore yeah it's interesting because like i said i thought there was a, a a finish line on healing i also thought that i would go at some point in my spiritual journey i would no longer have any issues in the world. The world would somehow, I don't know what I thought, but I thought somehow enlightenment meant that the world would never do the things that the world does, right? And then I realized that it's not about that. It's about the level of consciousness I bring to it. And so I might, an event might happen and I might notice myself uh, formally called triggered. I call it activation. I notice something gets activated And then I I can pause and say, isn't it interesting? Look at this. It's wanting a deeper level of healing. And then the conditions of the world become much friendlier, much less brutal. And so, you know, it goes back to the awareness, 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 and it's tending to what's getting touched, not what's happening. And that really is where we discover freedom. The world's going to keep doing what the world does. People will die. I might feel sad. I might feel relieved. All the feelings that come with something like that. A job might end. Um, I might move out of a house that I love. All the things that happen in the world, but it's my relationship to them that shifts. And then I realize, wow, they don't have power over me in the same way they once did. Yeah. Well, that's really having. How does that equate with the whole idea of self love? Does it does this help you love yourself more? Yeah, and you know, it's interesting with self love because I think sometimes we think. It's really about learning to love myself. For me, it's really about realizing that love really is who and what we are, right? That love is actually a frequency. It's a vibration. And we talked about that earlier. Tuning into that, realizing that it's not just me, it's all of us, right? We're, if, if it's true that we're all one, loving you and loving me is really the same. Because sometimes we hear, I need to learn to love myself before I can love others. And of course, that's true on some level, but really, it's also an exchange that happens in the world. And when I realize love is who I am, there's really no separate self to love. Mm -hmm. And uh, you also talk about the role of spirituality in a person's life. Could you talk a bit about that and and why it's important to, to be spiritual? Yeah. Spirituality is one of those words that can mean a lot of different things to different people. And for me, it's really profoundly simple. And I mentioned it in the first part of the show. We come into the world as whole and perfect beings. And I would call that a spiritual being. 
And the journey is is really about returning to that or acknowledging that. And so there are a lot of different spiritual paths. And the, the hope with all these spiritual paths is it takes us to the same place. And that same place is returning to love, returning to connection, and really returning to the truth of who and what we are. And it is also raising our energy levels to a place where, you know, we 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 are more open and freer to accept that love that's out there. Yeah, I mean that really is true, right? As I connect deeply with my true nature, I start to see love everywhere. Where I once saw lack everywhere, I start to see love everywhere. It's like you know we hear this a lot, but when you shop for a new car and you find a model maybe you've never seen before, and suddenly you see them everywhere, right? I doubt that we manifested those cars. What we did is we raised our awareness, and we now can see something that we weren't able to see before. That's obviously a very simple example. Then we can take that in a broad way and say, do I want to experience more love in my life? Let me acknowledge that's who I am. As I start to radiate that, suddenly love is everywhere. The world is a kind and loving place. That is more true than the world is brutal and hostile. But I can find evidence to support both based on how I'm looking at it. Neither one is right nor wrong, but what do I want? What do I want to experience more of? What do I want to create in my life and in the world? These are the questions. And why would we not want to choose love over misery? Well, if I believe I'm not worthy of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Again, which brings us back to, to the, back, yeah, exactly. <laughs> go around. You have an online course where where you teach this, right? Yeah, I have a few online courses, video courses, some writing. You know, all of my books have workbooks, but then also video courses. Some of us learn by listening. Some of us learn by writing. So I try to provide different opportunities for people to really explore this journey. Okay. And if somebody was interested in that, how would they find it? TJWoodward.com. You can find everything there. Very simple. You're also featured in a new docuseries about addiction called Addiction Revealed. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, Jeff Hayes Films. It should be coming out sometime in the next couple of months. It's a series where they interviewed, I believe it's 12 different experts about addiction, and we're all bringing our different perspectives on it. And it's a series that that should be released soon. And I'm super excited about being part of it. And I, I really want to hear the other experts talk about it. And it was a great interview. It happened sometime back. I went to Salt Lake City in the studio and filmed it. So I'm I'm looking forward to it coming out. Oh, wonderful. Is that online or is it going to be streamed? Or They they first release it to their audience. I think they have 3 million people they release it to. And then after that, it gets more mainstream release. And I'm not sure where it'll end up, but I can guarantee you I will have it on my website. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Well, TJ, is there a final thought you'd like to leave for our audience? Yeah, my final thought is for anyone watching or listening right now, if no one's told you today, you are a whole and perfect spiritual being. You came into this world literally as love energy, and that's who you are. And you have the ability now to question, unlearn, and return to this true nature. What a perfect way to end this. And I'll just ask you again to repeat your website and how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, tjwoodward.com. Wonderful. Well, TJ, thank you so much for being on Dream Power Radio today. Thank you. I so appreciate this conversation. 
Okay. Well, we've been speaking with recovery expert and author T.J. Woodward. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. If so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Until next time, this is Debbie Spector-Weissman saying, sweet dreams, everybody. You've been listening to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman. For more information on Debbie or to sign up for her newsletter, go to dreampowerradio.com. This has been Dream Power Radio.